You're listening to the Made for Living Well podcast, episode number 238. And today we're talking all about self-sabotage. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and I'm so glad you're here. Because more than anything, I believe you are made for living well. And we've just complexified health and life down to a place where we're existing rather than living. And I want to help you get back to a state of living. So today on the show, we're going to talk about something that so many of us do. In fact, all of us do from time to time. And that's the art of self-sabotage. Yes, I'm calling it an art because it is a learned skill that we use to bring us back to a level of playing it safe. Now, I know safety sounds really comfortable in a a place that a lot of us would like to get to, but we have to start seeing safety for what it is and not for what we think it is. We're going to talk all about that on today's show as I have an expert in self-sabotage, Dr. Candace Setti. She is a therapist, author, speaker, coach, and former yo-yo dieter herself who is committed to helping others achieve health and wellness while gaining self-confidence, stopping self-sabotage, and achieving your goals. Dr. Setti maintains a private practice in San Diego, California, where she works one-on-one with individuals, helping them to understand their maladaptive behaviors and thought patterns while replacing them with a healthier perspective that allows them to overcome self-sabotage and thrive in their lives. I am so excited to have Dr. Setti on the show to talk about this subject that I know all too well and a subject that I think if we could really start to grasp, we could start to go into the new year with a better mindset and a better perspective, helping us to reach better goals, not only next year, but this year as well. Now, before we welcome Dr. Setti to the show, I want to also remind you that you can find more about today's show, a few more thoughts about self-sabotage over at thelivingwell.com. There's always lots of articles going up over there to help you not only become healthier or to impart more knowledge on you, but truly helping you to embrace a lifestyle of living well. That is what you are made for, and that's what I want to help you do. So make sure you head on over to thelivingwell.com, and if you're not signed up for the newsletter, go ahead and get signed up every week I released a Monday motivation email that's designed to pump you up but also to help challenge you to live this out. So make sure you head on over to thelivingwell.com to find out everything you need to know about this show and more resources to help you live that out. Okay, for now, let's get right to the show and welcome Dr. Seti. Welcome to the show, Dr. Seti. I'm pumped to have you on. Um, as we were just talking right before we jumped onto this interview, This is such a big subject in the health space and one that is so easily overlooked, like in this race to change the outward appearance of our body. I think we neglect the very piece of us that is responsible for how we act and we get so frustrated and overwhelmed by our mindset, but it is the key component to changing our bodies and changing our health and living in a thriving state. So I'm pumped to have you on and talk all about mindset stuff, self-sabotage, willpower, all the things. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm always happy, probably just as excited as you to talk about this topic. I feel like I could talk about it for days and days. So um, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about self-sabotage, which 
kind of an expert at, you've released a book about self-sabotage. Let's just start with the basics. Okay. We all self-sabotage. Can you explain what it is and why it happens? Sure. Um, I like to talk about the idea of self-sabotage in a very, very simplistic way as being just standing in your own way. Um, the idea of knowing what you want, whether it's be whether it's what you want in life, what you want for yourself, what you want in your relationships, and oftentimes actively engaging in behavior that prevents you from from getting that, from achieving that. So, you know, again, very simply put, it's just standing in your own way. And on paper, a lot of people don't understand that. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If I want something, why would I engage in behavior that stops me from getting it or prevents me from getting it? And so the why, obviously, is much more complex. And there are so many, Mm. so many reasons that tie into this. Um, Self-doubt and confidence issues are a huge part of self-sabotage. You know, a lot of us have this inner voice that says we're not good enough, and that voice can be debilitating and can stop us from from getting what we want because we feel we're not worthy, we feel we're not capable, we feel we're not deserving. Um, An offshoot of that is is a concept called imposter syndrome, this, this fear of being found out as a fraud. And, you know, having imposter syndrome can lead us to shy away from moving ourselves forward. Um, there are so many fears that come into play that foster self-sabotage, fear of success, fear of failure, fear of the unknown, fear of change. Um, you know, most of us would rather stay comfortable, stay in our comfort zone than move forward because move forward by its nature means change. A lot of us fear success because there are all of these added pressures that come with it. And this this what now effect once you achieve it. There's a fear of failure, of the judgment that comes from it, the self-esteem blow that comes from it. And we often internalize all of these fears and they can leave us stagnant or sometimes even moving in the opposite direction. So there, there are a lot of factors that tie into why we self-sabotage. And it's, it's very personal for each individual. It can be, you know, a hybrid of all of those things, plus some others, plus, you know, snippets of anxiety or, or snippets of drive for control or impacts of our, our thinking issues and, and thinking in all or nothing terms or thinking in, in other cognitive distortions like dwelling on the negative or catastrophizing or personalizing and all of these things just create this perfect storm to set us up to self-sabotage. Yeah. And I think it's um, a fascinating thing that a lot of people have a hard time realizing is you really want to enter into a new space. Mm -hmm. Like you really want the Mm -hmm. change, but the change you're looking for is scary. It's terrifying. And, And you actually internally or subconsciously, whatever you want to call it, would rather stay in this place that you quote unquote hate yep. then move into the place. You know, like it's almost like this war we have going on within ourselves. Can you exactly. talk more about why we tend to, we want something so bad, but we tend to stay where we are. Well, again, I mean, I mean, you, you basically said it right. As human beings, we tend to choose comfort over all other things. And comfort doesn't mean the same thing as happiness. Comfort means known. Comfort means a place we've been for a while. Comfort means, you know, a space that that we are simply comfortable in. And whether or not we're happy in that space is irrelevant. We know it and it's comfortable. And there is so much fear around the unknown, 
even if our happiness exists there. And, you know, you've probably seen all these memes of like, you know, a circle with the comfort zone and all of our goals and our growth being outside that. And, you know, there's a reason for that is because, you know, when we do push ourselves and when we do move outside of that comfort zone, we are exposed to new things, different things, sometimes even scary things. And that's usually as human beings, how we grow. But we shy away from that because again, we want to stay in the known. We want to stay where we're comfortable. We want to stay where there's no question. And oftentimes that's not mm-hmm. at all where we're happy. It's not at all what's associated with our goals. But again, it's known. And so that's there's a drive to stay there. There's an internal drive to stay there and not to push ourselves. Right, right. It's like our safety mechanisms are stronger than our desire to be happy, right? How do we mm-hmm. how do we start to push past some of that? Like how do we start to recognize that where our tendency or our drift is to go back to what's comfortable, but how do we take some steps forward into that place that we do desire? Well, a lot of it is is about understanding first of all what that is. What what is it that we desire? What is it that we actually want? Is it you know, that we want to get this promotion, that we want to start a business, that we want to have a healthy relationship, that we want to lose weight, that we want to, um, you know, a, a travel. What is it that we want to achieve? And you need to have a clear understanding of what you want if you want to have a clear understanding of how you're self-sabotaging and overcome that. Because once you know what you want, then you can actively look at your behavior and say, is this moving me towards or away from what I want? Is this behavior something that's moving me in, in the direction of, of what I want to achieve? Or is this something that's actively impeding my success or impeding my growth? And if you can identify that, then even further, you can start to look at what you can do, what you can put in place to address that, whether it be you know, starting to create a plan to address fears or to push yourself into opposite action or to build your confidence around certain things to feel safer going into that situation. But you can't take any of those steps until you know what you want and until you know how you're self-sabotaging. Yeah. Do you think our tendency to self-sabotage stems from internal or stored pain or trauma? It absolutely can. Um, I don't think it's a hundred percent of the Mm. time, but Mm -hmm. I, I have a tendency to not believe anything is a hundred percent for everybody. I don't really believe in the one size fits all thing, but it's very common. I mean, it's very common that you have some early traumas, whether it be early childhood, teenage, you know, early adult years that you have trauma. And a lot of your behavior is about protecting yourself from ever experiencing that kind of trauma again. And, you may not realize it oftentimes because you're not looking for it or looking at it, but you see it often in um, women who have been victims of sexual assault Mm -hmm. that they may put on weight and keep weight on as a way to protect themselves from that exposure again. And these are women that feel they, they, you know, cognitively and, and behaviorally say that they want weight loss and may even go on diets all the time to try and achieve it. And may not realize that deep down that they are actually preventing themselves from achieving it because of this this fear and this trauma. Mm -hmm. And it can be so overpowering. And unless you're able to kind of dig and see what that is and process through that trauma, it tends to leave a lot of people stuck. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, that absolutely can happen. So if it's not pain or trauma, is it just the natural human tendency to drift towards self-sabotage or where else is it stemming from? Um, well, like I said, a lot of it stems from confidence issues, mm. self-doubt, insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, and this can be things that happened very early on in life and yeah. childhood. It could have been one situation, one time where somebody said something to you and you internalized it and and that just sort of set you on this path. Um, you know, it could be, you know, a first work experience. It could be a first relationship experience. You know, it's it's not always this massive overpowering trauma piece. It yeah, could be right. one small mm-hmm. thing that shaped it. And then this insecurity just builds and builds and builds because you engage in behaviors that reinforce it. And you see avoidance behaviors, you see, you know, assumption behaviors, you see self-protective behaviors. And, you know, as you get stuck in these behaviors, they they reinforce this fear and this self-sabotage and this insecurity mm-hmm. over and over again. So it, it doesn't have to get created by something monumental. Yeah. It can be something, you know, that we all experience that, that could otherwise be benign. But, you know, for some reason, our brain gets stuck on it and fixates and it becomes this, this thing that shapes how we interact with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are, this is a question I've always had, how are self-denial and addiction related and yet not the same? Um, oh, that's a good question. Like, like um, even with food, right? Like, it's like, okay, uh-huh. you could say like eating or eating bad things or things that you know you shouldn't is a form mm-hmm. of self-denial, but there's also a level of addiction that could be yeah. played too. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, you know, a very under-acknowledged aspect of self-sabotage is how it can lead down that kind of dark path of addiction. Yeah. yeah. And I would say that many addictions actually start out as self-sabotage before developing into an even bigger problem. Mm -hmm. So for example, you may have somebody who procrastinates as their form of self-sabotage and they may use addictive behaviors to push off whatever needs to be done you know, they may use drugs or alcohol as their form of procrastination. And over time, you know, that can very easily develop into addiction. Or you may have somebody who, um, you know, uses control as their method of self-sabotage. And that person might use food to make them feel better and give them a sense of control over their own lives. And so that can clearly lead into a food addiction or, you know, some very pronounced emotional eating and, and right. disordered eating behaviors. So self-sabotage can very clearly be a precursor to addiction. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Now inside your book, you have four different types of self-sabotage. Can you list those out for us or explain a little bit more about the different types or different ways we self-sabotage? Sure. Sure. I actually have nine different self-sabotage styles. Um, and they fall into three different categories. Okay. Um, so, um, I, I actually already kind of mentioned some in passing in our Mm -hmm. conversation, but, um, there's the category of those that, um, create self-fulfilling prophecies. And these are the procrastinator, the overthinker and the assumer. Um, and basically they're people who set forth, you know, what they're already, you know, creating in their head, right. The assumer, for example, is someone who's always predicting the future and acting on those predictions before ever seeing if they come true. So they decide how they're going to feel happen, how people are going to react even before entering into the situation. So 
it never allows them to prove themselves wrong because they just don't do that. They act on the assumption and they never get to actually see what's going to happen. So a lot of those self-sabotage styles end up creating these self-fulfilling prophecies. Mm. Um, There are three more that are under the subset of removing positive things from our life. And this is, let me see if I can remember, the avoider, um, the self-protector, and the control freak Mm. are the three that I lump in this category that basically remove good things from their lives, right? The avoider, you can clearly see that's somebody who keeps themselves away from situations that may cause them anxiety or push them out of their comfort zone. Um, And this basically just reinforces their fears and removes all the positive and enjoyable opportunities that they may experience in life by never actually engaging in them. Um, Same thing with the self-protector, right? They're somebody who's covered in that metaphorical armor. And so they're always on guard. You know, they keep people at arm's reach and, you know, they, they don't let themselves have any depth in their relationships. They don't allow themselves to be truly vulnerable. And obviously there's a lot of positives that, that are not allowed to be in that person's life due to that Mm self-protection. And then the, the last three all fall under the category of um, lowering our self-worth. And this is the overindulger, the self-critic and the perfectionist. Um, And so using one of those, I'll I'll talk about the self-critic, right? The self-critic is somebody who's constantly analyzing their own behavior and beating themselves up. Mm. And um, they tend to ignore evidence that is positive and overemphasize the evidence that suggests that they are flawed or damaged. And, you know, there's this belief that, you know, being hard on ourselves and beating ourselves up is going to be motivating and drive us, but it actually is the exact opposite. Mm. Um, you know, this type of thinking is completely unmotivating. And in fact, it sets us up to have low self-esteem and makes us believe that we're not capable and we can't do anything right. And that, you know, continues to build in the way we look at ourselves and ultimately ends up lowering our self-worth and our our self-confidence. So there are a lot of different styles that play out there. And, And it's not, again, like you look at this list and say, oh, I just do that one thing. A lot of people find that they have lots of different pieces from all of these different categories that form their own personal brand of self-sabotage. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to ask that, like if you can fall into multiple different categories Mm -hmm. and I would assume they probably can change over the course of life in some ways too with different. Oh yeah, definitely. And a lot of people will look at it and say, you know, oh, I am totally the procrastinator. That's what I do. But I'm also very much a self-critic when it comes to work. And I'm very much an assumer when it comes to relationships. And I'm very much an overindulger when it comes to dieting or whatever it may be. And so they may say, you know, I'm, I definitely do this all over, but this one I do in the certain situations. And this is what I used to do growing up. And, you know, this is what my spouse does. And this is what my parent does and all of that. So um, yeah, you def- it definitely changes and you definitely have bits and pieces of some of them without necessarily being all in on any Mm. one of them. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Now you've kind of mentioned insecurity kind of being an underlier with Mm -hmm. self-sabotage. Do you find that kind of is across the board with self-sabotage? Is it stemming from some kind of insecurity or like, I I wouldn't say across the board. Um, I I mean, insecurity issues or, you know, low self-esteem are 
very strongly correlated with self-sabotaging behaviors, but they're not necessarily requirements. Mm. Um, but, you know, if you think about it, your level of self-esteem determines whether you feel you are deserving of things, right? Like right. success or love or happiness. And if you believe you're worthy of something and you want it, then you're going to make it happen. Right. But if you don't believe you deserve these things, you probably won't push towards your goals. And that can even deepen that feeling of worthlessness. But on the other hand, self-sabotage can also cause low self-esteem, like I just talked about for, with that example with the self-critic. So there's a little bit of a chicken or egg relationship right, between right. self-esteem mm-hmm. and self-sabotage by continuing to engage in self-sabotaging behaviors and not allowing yourself to achieve your goals, you can start to feel bad about yourself and your capabilities. And over time, these feelings become more and more deeply rooted until it becomes kind of unclear which is causing the other. So they're they're very linked together. Mm, yeah. Now, when we talk about like self-sabotage, right? Like, and talk about creating a vision that helps us to understand where we're, kind of maybe falling short or where we're sabotaging ourselves. Like is self-sabotage like another story, almost like a narrative that we've created inside of our minds or like, how is this working on like a mindset to action level? If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you talk about the narrative, I, I interpret that as kind of our self-talk and mm-hmm. the things that we say to ourselves and, you know, a lot of that, that self-talk when it comes to self-sabotage is I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Nobody will like me. I'll never succeed. And, you know, a lot of the, the way that we fight self-sabotage is by challenging those thoughts right. mm-hmm. um, and choosing to find the logical thoughts that counteract them and rewriting that narrative based on facts and data through reality testing and experimentation, instead of just accepting a thought that may be rooted in insecurity or fear, or like we talked about, like a, you know, a comment somebody made to you when you were 12 years old, that didn't mean a whole lot that you've chosen to let drive your narrative. So yes, so much of it is about changing that, changing the way we talk to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And as I mentioned, when I introduced you, you know, like this space and the health space, you know, as a whole is so much directed towards behavior modification and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, changing the things that we do. But as we mentioned, there's, there's this whole mindset piece Mm -hmm. that is easily overlooked. And as you've worked with clients in this mindset space, like what are some of those, those, um, maybe components that you feel like are easily overlooked and yet can make a huge difference if we just start to maybe pay attention to them and understand it in a new way that can help us create progress outside of just trying to find the next best diet or diet plan to do. Like, what are some of those things that you really encourage people to do? Well, like you just said, I think it's really about paying attention. Mm. Mm-hmm. And as far as self-sabotage goes, most people don't pay attention to it. They're not looking for it. They're not trying to understand it. And when you start to see it and you start to see how it plays out in your day-to-day life, it becomes a lot harder to ignore. Um, but up until that point, people are engaging in behaviors, again, like avoidance, like assumption, like self-criticism, mm-hmm. and not realizing how self-sabotaging it is. Mm-hmm. 
And when they start seeing it and start looking at it objectively and saying, wow, I want X and my behavior Y is standing in the way of that, it becomes more and more clear how that's happening. And you need to see that Mm -hmm. in order to be able to change that. Because for so many people, like we just talked about, so much of this is rooted in our thinking. Mm -hmm. And our thinking is habitual. People don't realize that when they talk about habits, right? They think about habits as being behaviors, but our thinking is a habit too, right? That thought of, you know, I'm not worthy or, you know, I'm not good enough. That thought is is based on habit because we've had that thought for so long, it just comes naturally. And in order to change any habit, you need to focus on it. You need to hyper-focus on it, especially in the beginning and keep committed to that change. If you're trying to quit smoking or stop biting your nails. It's not just one day that you focus on it and then you're good. Mm -hmm. You need to keep at it. You need to inundate yourself with whatever efforts you're trying to make, whether it be, you know, I'm going to chew gum every day, or I'm going to keep my hands occupied every day so that I don't smoke or I don't bite my nails. You need to do the same thing when you're changing thinking habits. And that means actively focusing on them day in and day out and really paying attention and and engaging in whatever behavior it is that moves you forward. Mm -hmm. And what that looks like is obviously different for everybody because it depends on what form your self-sabotage takes. But it's about challenging those behaviors and really putting in the work to change them, just like you would if you were changing a behavioral habit. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned at the beginning, some of the things that, you know, you would do or encourage people to do this work, like creating that vision and doing some of those other things. Like, is there a a step process that you take people through? Or do you find that it's, it's everyone has their own story and their own path to healing? I would say that it starts the same and then very much veers off into everyone's own path. And the start is about like I mentioned, identifying your goals, what it is you want, and then starting to really dig into what form your self-sabotage is taking. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes this is thoughts in your head, right? Recurrent thoughts of I'm not going to succeed. Nobody's going to like me. I'm not worthy. You know, let's just do this this one time and we'll try again on Monday, whatever the thought is. And when you start tracking those thoughts and really seeing where the repetition lies, then you can identify what you need to change. Right. And that part is where it starts to veer off and become individual. Because when we see, you know, this person self-sabotage takes this form and says this this stuff over and over again, then, okay, we need to put together a plan that addresses that in particular. Um, So that's where it really becomes different. And, you know, it, it oftentimes is about looking at, you know, putting a plan in place that looks at addressing that particular form of self-sabotage, possibly challenging it through experimentation, um, challenging fears by, by gradually facing some of those fears, building confidence, engaging in alternative behaviors, um, and again, really trying to change habit the same mm-hmm. way you would if you were changing a behavioral habit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think self-sabotage ever goes away or do you think it's something that we just learn how to control rather than be controlled by it? Yes. The, the latter. The latter. <laughs> I mean, that's I so think, much of health, yeah. like, right. Mental, yeah. mental health anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't go away, but you can get to a point where it doesn't have power over you. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, in my book, I talk a lot about becoming a sabotage warrior and I use a lot of boxing metaphors to kind of talk about fighting yourself sabotage because it's a fight. And the stronger you get, the weaker your self-sabotage gets to the point where it, you know, it can almost become a non-issue. It's not that it's not there. It's just that it doesn't have any power over you because you've become so strong in that fight and in overpowering it. So I don't think it goes away, but I think it can become, you can get to a place where it's, it's not an issue. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And when, when you feel like people get control of their self-sabotage issues, what do you see change? Like, in their lives? What, how do you see them evolve? Or like, what is the hope, I guess I'm trying to say, and obviously we see some hope, but like, do you have any examples of like, these are the things I've seen, or, you know, this is why this is important because I think sometimes the health things that are behavior modifications, like changing your diet and exercising more, we've really glorified those things to the point where (laughs) It's almost like those are the end all be all. And that's where we get recognition. And so much of health is mindset, which is so Mm -hmm. internal that Mm -hmm. no one's going to recognize you or glorify that process. So I guess like in the process of that, this is hard work that no one really sees. (laughs) Yeah. What is some hope or some encouragement that you could give people that this work matters and um, it can be a game changer for you? Well, you know, Obviously, what I see when people overcome their self-sabotage is success, right, at achieving whatever those goals may be, actually forward movement towards achieving them where somebody may have been stuck and or moving themselves backwards. But bigger than that, what I see is confidence, um, happiness, self-acceptance, you know, all of these things that come from again, getting out of your way and starting to achieve what you want to achieve, it gets you to a place where you feel capable, where you feel proud of yourself, where you feel happy, where you feel like you're moving forward, where you feel like you're you're strong. And all of those things create so much wellness in people, right? And, and I don't mean health because I don't mean just physical. I mean, overall wellness where people just feel good in their lives. They feel good about what they're doing. They feel good about where they're going and they feel good about who they are. And that to me is the overarching goal of overcoming self-sabotage. Sure, it's great to achieve all of those goals, but but feeling great in who you are to me is really the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what a lot of people are looking for in the health space anymore too. You know, like I think underneath the surface, we all desire that on some level. It's just mm-hmm. starting to see how to achieve that yes. outside of, and knowing, right. If you get a hold of this issue, the other things will fall in place. I think. And that's, yeah, yeah that's usually what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think this stuff is so fascinating. Um, I can talk <laughs> about this all day long, but I have a few more questions to dive into before we go. I like to say that your body is just a byproduct of who we believe we are, uh, but they're all connected in like these forward and reverse reactions. Like, what are your thoughts on this? Like, what do you think comes first? Like what you believe or the action you take, or is it both working kind of simultaneously together? Yeah, I was going to say, can I say both? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, I think it's very situational and again, differs person to person. 
But I will say the school of cognitive behavioral therapy is rooted in the idea that our thinking is essentially what determines our behavior or our action. So when we repeatedly engage in unhealthy behaviors, the most effective route to change is to alter the habitual thinking patterns that lead to that behavior. So I guess I would say that the thinking comes first, especially because like we just talked about over time, it becomes habit. And many people don't realize that, but um, they're definitely built the same way as those behavioral habits. So I, I definitely think when we're able to change our thinking, like I talked about the idea of saying, you know, if, if your thinking patterns are, I'm not worthy or I'm not capable, what's going to happen is you're going to engage in behaviors that support that thought. You're going to engage in behaviors that make it so you don't get what you achieve because you don't believe you're worthy. You're going to, you know, engage in behaviors that don't move you forward because you don't believe you're capable. And when you change those thinking patterns and start to believe in yourself and start to believe you're worthy and you're capable, your actions tend to follow. So I, I would probably say for most people that the thinking definitely comes first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it does. Like you said, like, I think sometimes we complexify it and even probably or complexifying, like you said, is a form of self-sabotage. Mm -hmm. So when we take these steps to start to understand, I think some of these things like gathering more knowledge and, you know, perfectionism, again, things that have in some way, um, we've made it out to seem like those are good characteristics that are going to help us achieve. How do we become aware of where, how we're self-sabotaging? Um, well, again, I like to look at it in a very simplistic way of going through our thoughts and our behavior day by day, hour by hour, sometimes even minute by minute and saying, is this moving me towards or away from my goal? And when I'm saying, for example, oh, I have plenty of time. I can work on that presentation later. Is that moving me towards or away from my goal of getting a promotion? Um, you know, when I say, oh, they're, they're, they're not going to like me and nobody's going to talk to me at that party. Is that moving me towards or away from my goal of building relationships, building friendships, meeting new people? And as you start to see, okay, this is not moving me towards my goal. In fact, it's doing the opposite. You can start to say that that is a self-sabotaging behavior, but you need to look at it in terms of applying it to your goal in order to see whether it's something that's standing in your way or not. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That really makes sense. That self-awareness piece, right? It's just mm -hmm. looking at life and really well, it's looking at our yeah. behavior, yeah, right? Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of us don't do that. We just mm -hmm. behave mm -hmm. and we don't question, we don't examine, we don't explore and we don't challenge it. And as soon as we start to look at it and really dig into it, that's when we, we see what's really going on. And that's where we get to a place where we're able to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love all this stuff too, because it's free, you know, like I think so much <laughs> health has become like, oh, here's more hacking tools and uh -huh. you know, like all of these things. And not to say that any of that is wrong, but we've made health relatively unrealistic and practical and you know, like kind of for, it's kind of a privilege anymore, instead of being an intended design of like, our bodies are fighting for this. Can we, can we work with it to create the health that we are all longing for? And it doesn't have to, it shouldn't cost everything that we have. Uh -huh. 
And that's what's uh-huh. so fascinating on the mind. It's hard work, but it's also it's accessible. Accessible, right? Yeah. 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 To it, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And and it helps more than just this area, right? Like it's not just a behavior modification that's only going to influence your body. Taking over or dealing with the self-sabotage in regards to health is going to change self-sabotage in every area of your life. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, the way we talk to ourselves, the way we treat ourselves, these these thinking patterns that we engage in, you know, influence everything from, you know, the way we interact with other people to, you know, our drive for success to, you know, the way we treat our bodies and the way we prioritize ourselves. Um, All of these things are influenced by self-sabotage, which is why you see it as being such a common issue in the weight loss world. Um, which is kind of how I, I got into the self-sabotage realm in the first place, because, you know, as a, as a psychologist, one of my primary specialty areas is weight loss and weight management therapy. And I see self-sabotage as being a, a core issue in almost everybody I work with. And so when you're able to, to change this, address this and really look at it, you know, things that felt insurmountable before almost become easy mm-hmm. because again, you're not blocking yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not standing in your way anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just starting to understand that the fact that we actually do this, not as a means to like hurt ourselves, but under underneath the surface is that layer of protection in some way to keep mm-hmm. ourselves in that comfortable place. But mm-hmm. I think just understanding the fact that we all self-sabotage in some way helps you to recognize that you're doing it too. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not something that's like, oh, we can just see it in other people. But once you start to see it in yourself, like you said, then you can start to take those steps to create the change to live out of the health that you've been working so hard for, but failing to see the results that you want to see. Yeah. And the more you expose yourself to that change, the less scary that change becomes. So as you continue to engage in, in new behaviors and expose yourself to change, you get more comfortable with the idea of change. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of start to expand that comfort zone bubble to the place where change doesn't feel quite as scary as it used to, as you realize that you're able to achieve these things, that you're able to expose yourself to that situation and get through it in a way that moves you forward. And then that change becomes less scary as it becomes more known. Yeah. 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 It's just stepping in, doing those slow things to move yourself Mm -hmm. in the right direction. Mm -hmm. This has been so insightful. I love these conversations because they're so practical and, um, yeah, like I said, kind of insightful, kind of twist health a little bit to recognize that there's more at work than just trying to, trying to force our body to do what we want it to, right? Like uh-huh. we can't keep fighting the body war. We have to start working together and <laughs> really understanding ourselves in this way makes a huge difference. And yeah. I think recognizing the way you self-sabotage is not a means to beat yourself up or to feel shame or guilt about it, but it's to say like, okay, how can I now support my body? How can I create yes. that safety that it can move forward? And so just again, yeah. just little shifts of our perspective can make all the difference in the health space. So before yeah. we go, like, what is one lasting thing that you want to leave with the listeners that's, you know, like whether it's a tip or a quote, or just a little bit of advice that you want people to take home that they can implement and really just like think about and hopefully 
make a part of their life moving forward? Um, well, I think so much of this is about making yourself a priority. And, you know, we talked about doing this work and how it's accessible and it's free and all of that wonderful stuff, but you need to decide that you're a priority. And, you know, societally, we all have a very bad habit of putting ourselves last on our own priority list, right? If we, if somebody needs, somebody in our life needs our time, we say, you know, well, I can skip whatever I had planned or I can skip this and, and give my time to that person. And, you know, we don't give ourselves that same priority. Everybody else and everything else becomes more important than our general health and well-being. Mm -hmm. And I think part of this shift is about realizing the value of self-care, self-focus, and self-prioritization. Because when we start to change all of these things and we start to make ourselves better, stronger, more capable, more confident, all of this wonderful stuff it has an impact on everybody in our lives and everybody around us Mm -hmm. benefits from it. It's just a hard thing for people to see, you know, from their perspective, because, you know, the idea, it it falls under the idea of self-care and, and, you know, a lot of people have been consumed with this idea that that self-care and self-focus is a selfish thing. And I like to tell people that selfish doesn't need to be a bad word. Yeah, Selfish can be a wonderful word, word. taking time for yourself and really focusing on your own self-improvement can be so valuable to everybody around you that there actually ends up being nothing truly selfish about it. So I think accepting and understanding the value and the importance of making yourself your own priority is is so crucial to this whole process. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. This has been such a wealth of information and I'm so excited that you came on and talked about this subject that we're all facing, right. And just becoming aware of it can help us make great strides without having to spend um, so much money and so much time doing (laughs) all awareness. Uh Can you tell us where we can learn more about you and what you're doing? And um, even if someone wants to work with you in this process, can you just share that information and I'll make sure we get all up in the show notes. Of course. Um, My website is meonlybetter.com and um, all of my social media links are there. And um, I always post tips and tricks and ideas and all sorts of fun stuff on my social media. Um, you can also get links to my books there and, you know, ways to contact me, even if it's just with questions, comments, um, little ways you, I can help. I'm always happy to respond to everybody. Um, you know, even if it's not in a a working together format, but just a question or comment here and there, I'm always happy to get that feedback as well. So you can find all of that stuff on my website at meonlybetter.com. Awesome. I am so glad that you came on. We thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge, Dr. Seti, and, Um, We'll look forward to maybe talking to you again one day. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Let's be honest. Self-sabotage is real. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, most of us struggle with it, if not every day. But I hope inside that episode that you started to learn what self-sabotage is and to become aware of it. Because if we're aware of it, then we can do something about it. Like I mentioned, if you want to learn more about Dr. Seti or more about self-sabotage, make sure you head on over to the show notes at thelivingwell.com to check out more ways to beat self-sabotage and also grab a copy of Dr. Seti's workbook on overcoming self-sabotage. Again, you can find all of that at thelivingwell.com. 
Next week on the show, we have a topic that so many people have been asking me to speak on, and that's about carbohydrates. Yes, we're talking about good carbs, bad carbs, what you need to know about the low-carb craze and if it's right for you. So make sure you check back next week to hear all about that podcast and topic, learning everything you need to know about carbohydrates. In the meantime, don't forget to share this episode with your friends and family, take a screenshot, leave it on social media, and let other people know about Made for Living Well. This is a community of like-minded people who are not just here to change the external shell of who they are, but to change themselves from the inside out. So I hope you're loving it. Share with your friends and family and make sure you come back next week for that controversial, unpopular opinion all on carbohydrates. 